Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That any good person that's going to be a leader needs to listen and hear so that you can understand what the issues are uh, that another, uh, another colleague is having. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Mayor Lori Lightfoot, City Council Floor Leader and Rules Committee Chairman, Alderman Michelle Harris. Michelle, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Fran. Thanks for having me. It's a really good thing you are among the City Council's most likable and easy to get along with members because your job is getting tougher. My husband covered the coffee rebellion that saw Alderman led by Ed Verdoliak push back against the iron-fisted control of Richard J. Daley and his finance committee chairman, Tom Keene. I don't know what you'd call this mini-rebellion, but it definitely is that. How did we get to this point where the Aldermen are pushing back? I, here's what, friend, I'm going to say. It's not much as a pushback as I see aldermen uh, being much more aggressive about what they want, how they want it, and and when they can get it. So I, I don't see it as a rebellion. I just see it as aldermen saying that, hey, uh, we want this. We want to we want to make sure that we get this. And how do we get there? How did we get to this point that they became? more aggressive. What went wrong? Lori Lightfoot says we got here because, as she put it, I don't buy votes. Is she right about that or is there more to it? Um, I think that's plain and simple. Uh, the mayor is on the record saying that she uh, doesn't want to rubber stamp city council. And I think when you uh, give people the freedom to be uh, to to take their rights and use their rights to get what they need for their community, then people are going to do that. So I think that the mayor has empowered people to have freedoms. Two dozen aldermen this week signed a letter demanding Public Safety Committee Chairman uh, Chris Taliaferro schedule a hearing on the surging gun violence heading into mm-hmm. the July 4th weekend. When that yeah. didn't work, 19 of them called the special meeting to com- compel testimony by Police Superintendent David Brown, and they threatened to hold a no-confidence vote in him if he refuses to show up and answer questions about police strategy and deployment. The mayor now says she'll be there, so it looks like there will be a quorum, even though she claims it is a shame that it's being used as a wedge issue, as she put it. Do you agree with that? And will you be attending? And what do you think can be accomplished? I'm going to I'm going to be attending. Here's what I question. The fact that it's the 4th of July weekend and we have the entire leadership of the Chicago Police Department at City Hall answering questions. Uh, So I think I don't I, I totally agree. Let me say this. I totally agree that violence can be a topic of discussion every day of the week. Uh, and, and working with the Chicago Police Department to change 
and transform so many of our, co our communities that need a lot of help. I totally agree that every alderman has the right to sit down and have that conversation with. What I disagree with is the timing on this. Or the 4th of July, historically, whether it's Chicago or whether it's New York, nationally, crime rates go up <laughs> this weekend. So I think that the timing, on I disagree on the timing of the meeting. Um, while I think certainly we need to have the discussion, but you can't give somebody the, the meeting notice on, the, on Friday, demanding a meeting uh, on the weekend before the 4th of July. I just think the timing is a, a, a major issue on this. And so if we truly say we want the city to move forward and we want things to go well, I think we have to look at, is this a good move to pull the leadership of the police department away from what they should be doing, policing Chicago, to sit down in a room and meet with the aldermen? So why are you going then? Why wouldn't I go? Is this, I'm, going be, I'm going because, number one, I, I'm going to sit in a room and talk and hear the, the dialogue. As a leader, uh, and I am a leader, be, even before I became the floor leader, as a leader, I got to be sitting in a room because at a minimum, I want to hear what everybody else's issues are about policing and policing issues. And if I'm going to have relationship with relationships with many of these aldermen, I got to be sitting in the room uh, saying, saying that I know and I understand that part of that is listening and hearing what their, what, what their issues are as it relates to the Chicago Police Department. Um, so it allows me to be in that space and, and hear what their concerns are. And I think that any good person that's going to be a leader needs to listen and hear so that you can understand what the issues are uh, that another uh, another colleague is having. Alderman want to know what the strategy is to combat violent crime, particularly after two straight weekends marred by mass shootings. They want assurances that their neighborhood police districts will not be depleted of officers. They complain that canceling days off and working exhausted officers 12-hour shifts ad nauseum is not a sustainable strategy. Do you agree with that? So here's what I'm going to say, that if I work with, I have four police commanders, four commanders, because uh, I have a real large ward representing, uh, but the key and the heart of my ward is the fourth district, has the majority of uh, the police district. But it's what, what gets you where you need to go is the relationships from the officers, to the sergeants, to the lieutenants, to the captains, to the commanders, to the deputy chiefs. As the alderman, I make sure that I'm going up and down that chain every day, up and down that flag as often as I have to go and creating the dialogue so that I understand what's going on. So when I can't get to the commander, I'm talking to the captain, the lieutenant, the police officers, the caps officers. I'm talking to everybody and uh, to get issues resolved within my community. I think that as aldermen, we have so many tools in our tool belt. Now, I will say this, and this is how I honestly feel, that many of the new aldermen haven't been there long enough to figure out how to run up and down that pipeline to get what they want to get. So I think that uh, that there's the, there therein lies some of the major issues uh uh, and, and, and really understanding the, how the police department works. Um, 
I've, I've had no problem historically, even before I was a floor leader with working with the Chicago Police Department. When issues what about come up David Brown, though? Is he up to the job? What about his strategy? He's recreated these special units that draw from districts. Is that a good strategy? Charlie Beck says what? it is not. Well, Char- to 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 say that Charlie Beck's not here, so now we we have a superintendent who hasn't been here a long time. Uh, came in at a time when Chicago was experiencing uh, a lot, and and again, I want to talk about the national trends. We're nationally crime is trending up across the entire nation. It's just not Chicago. Now, I think that if you come to the city council meeting tomorrow and you listen to what his statements are, you're going to hear. Uh, and get many of these questions answered. It wouldn't be right for me to sit in a room and answer all the questions before he gets there and he tells you uh, what he's doing. So I think that uh, tomorrow the superintendent is going to lay out some of the strategies as and uh, give information as much as information as he can give out publicly. With all deference to the national crime wave, I don't think the people of Chicago want to hear that. They want to know what's being done in their city to stop and this I, crime well, wave. I don't think he's going to speak to the national crime on the national crime level. I think he's going to speak specifically about what's happening in Chicago. I okay, and is he job. up to the I job? Think, is he up to the job? He's been here a year. I, look, a year. Wow, that's not a long time to be here. And I, and I given the when he came in at the height when the of COVID, I think that we have to give him an opportunity to do his job. We have to give him an opportunity. Has he done the job in the last year? The, the figures say no. Well, let's let's. I think we give him time to to get in here and adjust to it. Uh, the figures and and uh, maybe the figures didn't start off good, but I think you that that he has a, he can he has the ability to take it and turn it around. And I think you may see that he'll be working to turn it around. Now, what can you or Mayor Lightfoot do to improve the relationship between her and the city council? Or is it too late? I'm a peacemaker, friend. You know that. You know, I'm a peacemaker. I want to get in the room and I think everybody sitting at the table should be heard, should talk, should have the opportunity to hear the issue uh, heard out. And so I think that... Uh, George and I are going to work to that end to make sure that people are heard. I think that's really important to me that no matter as an alderman and if I'm going to work with the mayor, the aldermen have the right to be heard. And so I think that you, the mayor, will sit down and go through and and work out relationships with many of her her aldermen. Last week, Mayor Lightfoot lost her first city council vote 25 to 24. Alderman Brendan Riley succeeded in separating out of the pandemic relief package that the mayor had, that portion that invaded all the manic turf by stripping away the requirement that a separate ordinance be approved for every sign over the public way. Does she need to drop this? Um, I think that she needs to sit in the room with those very same people and that they like anything else. So this didn't work. And um, I think that they get those 25 people should sit in a room with BACP, work through the issues up and down and come up with some kind of compromise. Uh, and that's what gov- good government's all about. I don't get everything I want. The mayor doesn't get everything she wants. 
but at the end of the day, we got we we create something that works for the city of Chicago. So I think that's what needs to happen. And I she, think that's is she too more is she too much my way or the highway? No, I don't think so. Not at all. Well, but Aldermanic prerogative is the issue that has that has divided her in the city council since day one when she stood up there at the inauguration speech at Wintrust Arena, denounced the city council as corrupt, shamed them all into standing with her in a standing ovation with the audience against that, and then rushed back to City Hall and signed an executive order stripping up their control over uh, licensing and permitting in the ward. She has vowed to do the same for aldermanic prerogative over zoning that will require a city council vote. Should she drop that? Because that's another one she's likely to lose. Well, I think that here's what happens. Government and compromise. I'll keep saying that. We we're, we compromise. We're com- we work on stuff. And as her vision and her plan is rolled out, she will work with the, the aldermen to come up with a document that every alderman can support and sign on to. And again, it's just all about the compromise and the spirit of compromise that needs to happen in government um, uh, with all 50 aldermen being part of a process. So when something affects all 50, all 50 of the aldermen should have uh, uh, should have part in a process with the caveat that nobody gets everything that they want. Right. But I mean, aldermen know best about what should go in their wards. That's why aldermen defer to each other on zoning issues. She, I strongly she, agree with that statement. What's that? I, strongly, I say I strongly agree that aldermen okay. know their wards best. Strongly. Right. And you wouldn't vote to give it up either. You know you wouldn't. So if Friend. you wouldn't. And I'm, I'm in that. got to remember now, I'm in that space fighting too. Because as as we go through things, I'm sitting in that space with everybody fighting to protect the integrity of my community because at the end of the day, I'm held responsible for what happens here in the eighth ward. So when my colleagues, 25 of them say they don't like a signed ordinance, then I think that's where you go back, you scrap it and you start all over and you come up with a document that everybody else can agree on. And if everybody can agree on, we don't have an ordinance now. So, We'll continue to do it the way that we did it yesterday. So I think, again, that's a compromise, not be the compromise that everybody wants, but that's the compromise. And the zoning issue. If she lost the sign one 25 to 24, she will surely lose a vote on stripping all the men of their control over zoning in their wards. No doubt. Right. I don't I, look. Let me say, I don't know. And a friend, I can't say that that I know that that's there's going to be a dialogue about that on any level. She should drop it, really. Otherwise, she's she's headed for a defeat again. Here's what I'm going to say. The IGA has an obligation to get out there, find out how aldermen feel about it. And I think after talking to the aldermen, the aldermen want to proceed, uh, then I think it'll proceed. When the aldermen don't want to proceed, I think it'll be like a lot of legislation that that sits in committee uh, that we never talk about. After a series of dubious rulings from the chair by the mayor, the alderman contends she violated Robert's Rules of Order, and now they're pushing for their own legal counsel and their own parliamentarian. That's part of this whole rebellion. They're going to get it, aren't they? 
Um, I think we're going to have the dialogue uh, with the entire city council because it's sitting in rules and, and we'll talk about it. And I think we'll see how everybody feels about it when we have the committee as a whole sitting in one space talking about it. Where do you stand? Shouldn't the council have its own corp council, its own its own legal council, rather, and its own parliamentarian? Because the mayor's rulings from the chair and who she recognizes and you know, what what ruling she upholds and which one she overrules have been really like all over the place. And 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 they don't follow follow Robert's rules. So shouldn't the council have its own so legal council and parliamentarian? Okay, so now what we have to do is rewrite the rules. So if we're going to control the process, the process is led by the president of the council uh, and the mayor is the president of the council. So now we'll be rewriting the rules of the city council. And I, I think this is getting us into the weeds and we're really missing the, the bigger issue. Um, I would love for us to, as we go through these committee meetings and we're sitting down in these committee meetings and talking about stuff, then we catch our breath. We catch our breath and then we don't lose sight of what some of the larger issues are uh, in our community, like economic development, <laughs> uh, developing communities. As you develop your community, crime levels go down. So I think that, that some of these conversations can be very distracting on what the real big picture is in our communities of color is that we need more social economic health uh, and I think that, that we, the big issue is that we got to sit down and start talking about how we rebuild our communities, how we rebuild businesses, that as we rebuild businesses and our business districts start to flourish, crime will go down. It's just the two of them walk down the same road. And, and so I think the big issue with all of this, friend, is that we're missing a big issue because we're just fighting about a lot of stuff that at the end of the day won't help my community. Yeah, and uh, we have to give the mayor credit for that. I mean, she's got her Invest Southwest thing, even though that is a very long road in terms of bit by bit, commercial strip by commercial strip, rebuilding these communities, generating more private investment as, as the city contributes and so on, and doing the long-term work of rebuilding communities that have been disinvested in and creating jobs that give people an alternative to the life of crime, of course. Yeah. Um, but much has been said and written about that confrontation with Jeanette Taylor. What were your thoughts when you saw Lori Lightfoot recess the meeting when she didn't get her way on her uh, confirmation on her corp council and, and storm down to the floor and point her finger in the face of Jeanette Taylor? What, what, what did you think? Okay, did you so friend, for the record, let me tell you how it played out in my mind. I saw her recess the meeting. But I was reading some documents, so I didn't even see it play out until later that night when I saw it on the media. Here's what I'll say. These both are some very strong black women, strong black women, you know, and they're strong will. And uh, Alderman uh, uh, Taylor uh, knows what she wants, and uh, she is not afraid to speak up. Uh, we call her the warrior because she's going to get out. If she believes in something, she's going to fight for it. Wrong or right, she did. Okay, so the mayor, very strong will, <laughs> and uh, and sometimes when you put two of the same personalities in in the room, it takes a minute for them to figure out the middle road and how to get there. So having said that, I'm confident 
strongly confident that these two strong African-American black women going to get in the room and work through whatever issues perceived and unperceived uh, and, and get in the room and talk about them and talk through them. Have they done that? Has the mayor apologized for what I, Taylor calls bullying? I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'll be honest. I don't know. And I'm not asked. I'm not should asked. She, should she apologize? Is it owed? Look, I think here's how I say. Now, you know how I am. The peacemaker. I get in the room and talk. And I believe that the first way to get people there is to get them in the room talking to each other. Um, prior to this, Alderman uh, Coleman, I mean, oh, I'm so sorry. Alderman Taylor uh, is communicating back and forth with the mayor. I don't see that changing. I really don't see that changing. Um, in being an alderman requires that you have some kind of back and forth communication with um, with the mayor. And so to think that you you don't have that, uh, you need you need those kind of back and forth because um, there's so many ways in which you need to make sure that the mayor is tied into what's happening into your community. So I believe that the two women are going to get in the room. These two leaders are going to get in the room and work it out. But this is behavior we've seen before from Lori Lightfoot during the budget fight. She warned the Black Caucus and any member who didn't vote for her budget, don't ask me for you know what when it comes to choosing projects for her capital plan. Is that the way to win friends and influence people? Um, I could always talk about how Michelle Harris would do it. And if I were if but I'm not the mayor, I am not the mayor uh, and I won't second guess decisions and statements that other people make. Um, here's what I say. That whole process as it played out, the mayor has worked with everybody and you can look at the, there's a paper trail of stuff. She's worked with everybody who voted against and voted for has continued to get things, whether they voted for the pro the budget or not. You could, the, the paperwork kind of doesn't lie. So I would say that the mayor's true interest is all in moving the city forward um, and doing things for all communities. Cause she's, she will tell you, she's the mayor of every community. And so whether you voted for her budget or not, uh, I think the paperwork will say she's still, there's still projects going on in all parts of the community. City services are still moving forward in all parts of the communities, uh, the city of Chicago. So again, I, like I said, I can't answer that question. I think some of this stuff, you're going to have to talk to the mayor about it. Earlier this year, you told the Black Caucus that you were behind the 11th hour bid to reduce the threshold sure for was. council approval of a new ward map from 41 to 26. You said you did it uh, trying to protect Chicago's 18 majority black wards, even though there's been a loss of black population. Taylor didn't think so. She thought that the mayor was behind it and that she and, and Stephanie Coleman were going to be the sacrificial lambs that were uh, sacrificed at the altar of ward remap. Why did you try to do that? And who really was behind it? Michelle Harris was and behind why? it. Why did you do it? Why did you do that? Why not? Um, we're, we're, we have so many new aldermen that have never been through this process. So we have a litany. So you got all the young guys that have never done a process. I was a little different, friend, when I came in. I had already been part 
of two remapping processes uh, where I sit, sat through, uh, watch the former Alderman Lorraine Dixon do a mapping process, uh, worked with John Stroger then to uh, come into space and do a mapping process. And then finally, the one that I was in uh, 10 years ago that I did. So to say that I got a little more experience and I understand the process would that other folks don't even understand. They don't begin to, un you can't understand it if you've never been through it. So I felt that at this time we needed to make sure that a map could pass without uh, having to have 80% of the city council to sign on. There's no process in state government where 80%, 80% of any elected process has to sign off on a mayor, sign off on a map. And just to push it down to a, a two thirds majority, I thought that was fair. I thought Are that you was worried with the 41 vote threshold and the fact that any 10 aldermen can force a referendum on a map that we're headed for that? Um, I'm not worried about that because at the end of the day, I've, I've, I've told all these aldermen that I'm talking to, everybody's going to sit in the room and draw their map. Everyone will have the opportunity to sit in the room and draw their map. I've asked people to take out how they personally feel about what they want to take from somebody and not have that dialogue. We will have 50 wards. They may not look like they look today, but we will draw a map. And I'm confident that the process will be fair for everybody sitting in the space and everybody to get a turn to sit down at that table and draw a map that represents their community. Will the map have 18 majority black wards and should it? I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that brown and black communities get a fair shake at, the, at a map. Are you worried about a black-brown conflict? Because Hispanics are still growing. Blacks have lost population. Brand, here's what I'll say. The numbers don't lie. If the numbers say, and, and we'll be drawing our map by numbers, we won't be guessing when we get the, the block by block numbers, that will determine how we draw up communities and what the maps will look like at the end of the day. The, the, these numbers will say, here's where African-Americans are, here's where Hispanics are, and everybody will be sitting in that room. Will it require... Several, friend. I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm surrounded by African Americans. There's no way that I don't get an Af, uh, a African American war. So why would I? I'm fighting for other people, not for Michelle. Because at the end of the day, Michelle Harris is going to represent okay. black. Yeah, I'll be okay. But I'm fighting for other people, and I'm getting. And while I'm fighting for, and I'm getting my hands and my feet cut off and chopped off, um, it's disheartening. And I had to tell people that I said I, I could sit Who's back. Cutting and, your hands and feet off. <laughs> my colleagues, like, my colleagues. Uh, so let me say this, that at the end of the day, it's, the city is going to have 50 wards. We hope and pray that we will be able to keep 18 and that Hispanics will have the wards that represent their communities. That How they many will, do they do? How many extra? They say at least three more. Well, they got to look at the numbers. So when the numbers come out, we'll again, the numbers decide where the populations are. And so when we get the census count, people can guess all they want. Any, any, we're all guessing now. We're all guessing now. The mayor uh, 
campaigned on a promise to turn all this over to an independent commission. Have you told her that's not going to fly? This is the, and friend, I'm going to tell you this. This is the process of about 50 aldermen. This is our process. And we're going to sit in the room, the 50 aldermen, and we're going to draw a map that we can, that we can live with. Do you expect a big battle over the stimulus spending? The mayor's folding this into an up, uh, a, a moved up budget process in September. We've got $1.9 billion that's coming to Chicago. We had a huge fight over the $281 million that she uh, gave to police payroll for the first round of stimulus money. How big a fight is that going to be? Um, I don't see it as a fight as much as everybody has a wish list of what they want, of city services that they want. Everybody has a wish list. I have a wish list, but and I'm not supporting anything as it comes to relating to spending this money that is going to um, make us, put us in a position where we have to raise property taxes. On civilian police review, the mayor wants to retain the power for herself, the final say over police policy, the final say over the superintendent. Uh, She doesn't want them to be able to take a vote of no confidence in the superintendent. She doesn't want them to control the police budget. How is that going to play out? Um, I think that we're going to hear the two the two proposals that are in committee. And I think as a body, we'll be able to pick which one we which one we want to vote on. Which one are you going for? Um, I'm going to hear out the mayor's side because I haven't. I'm being honest, I haven't heard her her side yet. So, um, uh, so I'm going to hear her side and and hear, do the comparison um, on the two, and then I'll make a decision. Before we let you go, your aunt is Alderman Lorraine Dix- Dixon, who, like you, was one of the more likable members of the city council. She died <laughs> tragically at, in the uh, of, of breast cancer. A very aggressive form of it very tragically yeah what lessons did you learn from her that Lori Lightfoot could maybe take a page from that book but let me tell you so and I'm following her footsteps in every way because I've we uh I, I just had breast cancer it's been a little year over half during COVID and so in more ways than one so Lorraine was a true and every sense of the word, compassionate, understanding, kind uh, person. And it, growing up and being around her my entire life, because her parents raised me, so we grew up in the house together, uh, she was a true, not that I don't love people, but Lorraine had this really gift for making a stranger or anybody that she didn't meet just come alive. And I think it's such a rare gift. Um, and I don't have that gift. While I don't think that I'm, uh, I'm hard to, to talk to, uh, but she had this really rare gift of making people feel comfortable, feel at ease, uh, and talk you off the ledge when you when you get. And it, like I said, that's a rare gift. And so her ability to do that made her uh, a charming person to be around. And on any day, and I'm gonna say this because I was around her, uh, she never complained about being sick. She never complained about cancer and even at the very end uh, she took the high road and that's what i say she took the high road in life and so, so i'm trying to the lesson right for Lori lightfoot and for all of us really the lesson for all of us is take the high road <laughs> take the high road uh and uh, to coin a great phrase that i love michelle obama said when they go yeah, low, i know you're go gonna high. say it 
Yes. When they go because low. That's, yeah, and, and I think that that makes a better world. I mean, sometimes you got to have the ability to let stuff roll off your back and move on um, so that you could live to get through the next series of, of tragedies and good things and bad things that are coming along. So you got to be able to let some stuff go and move on. Okay, so when they go low, you go high, and we'll leave it at that for you. Happy uh, holiday weekend Happy for you, and day. thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.